How about you, Moglar? So you play Ketsui, Crimson Clover. Have you found that there are types of shmups that didn't really appeal to you, or are you kind of more rounded in that way? Like you mentioned with playing like the wrong shmups almost, I tried uh, 1941 again in MAME and didn't really <laughs> like it at all. <laughs> but, uh, well, I don't really play too many games. I mainly just stick to things that like I almost know that I'll like. Mm-hmm. Although with something like Grega, I guess, I didn't quite, I wasn't sure. I was definitely not sure at all if I'd like it. But I, I actually do think it's a really good game. I enjoyed a lot. Greg is an interesting one because the other day there was a post on Reddit. The guy posted like, hey, why is Greg a good? Why do people like this game? It, it seems pretty whack to me. And I kind of, and like, you know, most people are going to be like, okay, this guy's kind of being a little a douche or whatever. I kind of sympathized with him because when I first played Greg, especially coming off cave games, I kind of in my heart for a while was like, okay, this game might be a little overrated. It's I don't know if it's all that it's chalked up to be. But considering that a lot of people I hang out with, you know, online and stuff are Grega players and they're so passionate about it. I was like, okay, they they can't be just this passionate about this game randomly. There has to be something to it here. So I stuck with it and then I, it like grew on me. I was like, okay, I'm starting to get this game now. And it's like one of those albums you listen to where at first you listen to it, you're like, eh, I don't know about that. But then as you listen to it more, you're like, okay, this is actually good. That was my experience with Grega. It took me time and took me a little bit of persistence, but I love it now. It's one of my favorite shmups. Yeah, I think like I played it for like a couple hours in MAME before getting it on the PS4. I didn't really like it that much. When I got it on the PS4 and started playing it on there, I started to realize that like, wow, this game is really fucking good. I don't have all this lag. <laughs> I'm also not sure. I probably wasn't. <laughs> I probably didn't have score or anything in my mind at all when I was playing it on MAME. Yeah. But no, I think that helped me enjoy it a lot more. Also, I probably just had a lot more knowledge of the game by the time I played it on PS4. Yeah, I feel like Grega, if someone came to me, cause, well, sometimes this does happen. People are like, hey, which maps do you recommend? <sighs> and now I have the answer. It's like, play Blue Revolver or Zero Ranger. That's my answer now. It's like, play one of those two. But for a while there, I always kind of struggled because there didn't seem to be one that I felt had like a really good overall experience for newer players. Like, DDP, I, it used to be kind of DDP, but then DDP can be brutal and cruel at times. So I'm like, uh, do I want to throw someone right into DDP? And then DFK, I was like, maybe DFK, but then DFK has a lot of intricate mechanics that yeah. you need to know. The purple A lasers and the hypering and the ship types. So I was like, uh, that's a little complicated. DFK is a really fun game for a beginner, at least, I feel. Yeah, Mainly just a lot because. Of canceling. Well, I think what I enjoyed about it, <laughs> people always shit on the auto bomb and like, even like I love auto bomb. But back then, the auto bomb made it so fun, dude. Like if they're balanced correctly. Well, DFK is not really balanced. No, because it's just yeah. it just gives you auto bombs. I I like auto bombing, but I mean, not every game should have it. But if it's made into the game well, I think it's a good mechanic. I think it's fine if it's done well, but in DFK, uh, it was so fun as a beginner because I could just like flail through <laughs> yeah. everything, and I was like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, whoa! How did I go through that? How did that happen?" <laughs> and it was like the most fun shit ever. And I probably wouldn't enjoy it much now. But... I enjoy DFK. My only concern, because this happened to me, is I did not understand how those purple aimed lasers worked. Like you need to laser to protect yourself from those, and so. I would just get wrecked by those over and over because I was be uh, shooting and they'd just shoot me and kill me. Yeah. And the game doesn't really communicate to you at all, hey, laser when you're getting hit by the purple lasers. So a lot of the game structure does work for newer players. It is a recommended one. Just you need to be aware of certain things like, okay, you need to laser the purple lasers or you need to understand how hyper works or how the different ship types work and stuff. I think I already heard about how the purple lasers worked i think i think like i watched uh, a bunch of shmup videos like after i got into stuff outside of toho like i'd 
just watched like a shitload of videos on them, but didn't actually play too, too much. Oh, okay. So you were prepared. I kind of wished Cave just threw in like a voice sample. Laser! When the first one <laughs> shoots at you, it's like, laser. Gives you some kind of clue. <laughs> the first time, it's like, oh, okay, laser these. Because it's like a really basic part of the game design of DFKs, those purple lasers. So we've talked about the more educational side of things. So now here's something I really want to talk to you guys about, especially since you guys have such amazing achievements, which is setting goals and steps you guys have taken to get through your goals without getting frustrated or quitting, stuff like that. Because, man, I've had struggles. So Kiwi, for instance, your Devil Engine world record or your Blue Revolver world record, how, what was your goal setting like for that? For Devil Engine specifically, since the game was new, the, the record was being constantly pushed higher between me and P.O. So I would say that for that game, my, my goal was just to keep beating P.O. and see where that went. That was a lot of fun. So with a newer game, it's just kind of get as high as you can, beat the guy in front of you. For Blue Revolver, I set incremental goals so that I could get closer to the top score. First was 50 million, 75, 100, 125, 150. And then after that, I started to look at the top replay and I was seeing what he was doing and I would try to see if there were much better ways to do it. And I found a lot of strats where he missed out on a lot of points and then I just kind of kept going for there. Just the higher, basically the higher I got, the smaller goals I gave myself. And I just kept going until I couldn't go anymore, really. And did you ever run into something I like to call reset syndrome? I've had this a lot where, especially when you're really thirsty for that goal, you're really thirsty for me, it's like the tool. And you end up doing maybe even days or hours worth of just run, reset, run, reset. Like you're not you're like getting stuck in places or you feel just like you're on a treadmill and you're just not going anywhere. Did you ever experience anything like that? Yeah, yeah. There were actually a couple of spots in stage one. It wasn't a huge point loss, but there were these big ships that would uh, leave the screen if you didn't shoot a cluster missile at them at the right distance. So I kept uh, resetting whenever I would miss one of those guys because... Uh, they were 5,000 points, and then times 64, that's a decent point loss. And then there were several times where I would die once something stupid, die again, then I would go over on bombs on stage two. Yeah, there, there was a little while where I just wasn't very consistent, and then I would just spend a long time not getting anything done. More specifically on Mushia range, that would happen, because... If you bomb or auto bomb, then you literally just have to reset. Yeah, DDP is the same way. One time where I went like a couple of days without getting past stage three, very inconsistent. So I have definitely had that problem. And did you find any kind of ways to get through it? Or what was, or no, or did you just grind it until your head exploded? I I learned that I should just stop doing full runs when I'm not consistent enough to make it past stage two or stage three. Yeah. So basically, if you're stuck in restart syndrome, you just have to suck it up and do stage practice until you're consistent. Yeah. And it's not always the most fun thing, especially when you've been spending uh, so long just playing the stage and failing in a run. You just want to get through and get the one run, get it over with. But you should really focus on consistency. Yeah, you you have no idea how much I've done that with DDP, where like last November, I was doing full runs and I definitely was not consistent enough, especially in the second loop. And I, but I did, but I've spent hundreds of hours safe stating this goddamn game. I was sick of it. I'm fucking <laughs> sick of this game. I just want to get the two all and move on with my life. So I just threw myself over and over, run after run, day after day. And it just, I eventually had to just throw my hands up and be like, okay, Mark, you're not consistent enough. You actually have to practice these stages again. And that was kind of a 
bummer. But after I did it, I was like, okay, that was the right decision. So yeah, definitely when you get in that mode in your head, it is not a pleasant experience to realize you have to go back and stage practice and stuff. Yeah. But it is healthy because I was tearing my hair out. I was going crazy. I wanted to like throw my arcade stick out the window every run. I was getting so salty. You have no idea. I know what you mean. I've never gotten more salty at a game in my life, even fighting games. I was like, this game, I was getting so pissed. So, Moglar, Mm -hmm. any experiences like that? With resetting? um, Well, yeah. (laughs) I think it happens to a lot of people, probably. (laughs) Unless you do, like, only no resets, which is hard, but probably a pretty good way to go about it. Yeah, it happens sometimes, but it's also like it feels with Katsui at least like it feels um, feels like I can just improve uh, my stage one scoring when it's happening, maybe stage two a bit. So it's not a complete loss. You took an interesting approach to Katsui, it sounds like, where you're scoring right out of the gate. You're not playing for survival necessarily. Which I'm going to do as well. I'm going to copy you when I start playing Ketsui because I'm never going to do this survival to all thing in a cave game ever again because... Yeah, no. Pure survival is pure torture. It is because even after you get the far in the stages and stuff, your score is still awful. It's still horrible. (laughs) And so you're like, what am I doing with my life? Throwing myself at this game and then... But I've learned a lot, so... Yeah, a Katsui uh, scoring system is fairly easy to get a basic grasp of, so which was part of the reason why I was able to start scoring it so quickly. And it did sound like earlier you mentioned that you'll take breaks and stuff. Yeah. What have been times where you felt like, okay, I need a break? Have you had anything like that? All the time, it's not that I feel like I need to take a break. It just kind of happens. Yeah. Rotating between uh, certain games is a good strategy, too, I think. Like switching off. Yeah, what do you guys think about that? Because I've heard conflicting ideas, and myself, I'm not totally sure how to go about this. If you're a bit stuck in a game, like switching to another game and then going back is probably pretty optimal. Or switching to a different game mode yeah. Yeah, I found that sometimes Probably switching off of a game and going thing. back, you'll just magically be a little better. Yeah. Well, I think like taking long breaks in general, usually when you come back, you just uh, play really well. Exactly. That happened to me with DDP, where I took like a month off, I came back, and I damn near got the two all. I was like, okay, what the hell? <laughs> and then I was feeling so swag. I was like, I just got good in the past month. I just got really good. And I was like, okay. I've got this two all in the bag. It's coming. It's I coming. Got good, and I wasn't playing at all. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, I started to kind of struggle again. So there's, I guess, something about that initial coming back. Yeah. I When I came back to arcade mode in Katsui after maybe a month and a half, I played, I played Aikidi Special for Shmup Slam right before it, though, which probably helped a bit. But when I went back to arcade, I was getting PBs like instantly. I improved my uh, PB by like <laughs> over 30 mil in like oh, wow. uh, a week. That's crazy. And I've improved, uh, that was a month ago. I've improved like four, <laughs> I improved four mil since then. So, What is your PB? 395.7 wow. million in OMO. Never got to it, even though I've been close to yeah, definitely on the come up. I mean, you're knocking on the door there. So when you guys are rotating games, how many do you guys normally keep on rotation? Is there like a account you guys have of like, okay, I'll play three or four shmups? Or how does that work for you guys? Um, As long as I'm not stretching myself thin, do just whatever feels right. Sometimes I'll rotate between two or three games, something like that. Although if I'm really into one game, I'll just stick with it until I get uh, tired. Actually, haven't really done it that much until recently. Recently, I've been playing uh, Rolling Gunner and Grega on the side. I still got to play Rolling Gunner. It's good. Very, very good game. 
It's really unique too with its the way the the gun works and everything. No one plays it though. Feels bad. Man. Oh really? Yeah. Part of it is just the struggle of an indie shmup, but I also feel like it's kind of a bitch to get a hold of. You also so. have to X. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you have to FedEx that bad boy from Japan. So I feel like them releasing it digitally would help a lot. It would. Well, it's it is on Switch digitally, but only on Switch for some reason. I don't know why it's not on Steam. <sighs> Maybe they got so few uh, sales that they can't afford the $100 to put it on there. <laughs> yeah, but I feel like they could put it on, like, what is it, itch.io or... That's true. Get good old games story. or something <laughs> like that. Could. I mean, since they're just selling you the disc, and it's not copy protected, I'll tell you that much. Because <laughs> I installed it on two different computers in my house. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to install it on both computers. They might as well just sell you the download directly, like PayPal me and I'll give you the download or something. Because it's, yeah, it's not super official release or anything. One last question for you guys, and then I'll talk with Kiwi a little bit about his Stunfest experience, because I'm curious about that. My question is a little bit weird, but I'm going to try and explain it. So the other day, I was thinking about some of the interviews I've done with the players in the past, and I've kind of touched on the subject, but not as directly as this episode. And I remember, depending on who I asked, I would get different replies onto how they learned the games or what their struggles were. I remember Jamers, I asked him about, was there ever a moment where you felt like the genre clicked for you? I remember he's saying, I think it's in that episode, he says, no, not really. And it feels like he kind of understood the genre all along, like it never was a mystery to him or anything. And then there are other players like uh, Prometheus or Juju Kenobi that kind of explained where they did really meticulous study of the genre and that's how they got better. They like they went all in like mapping out the stages and save stating 10 second increments and really analyzing and breaking the games down and that's how they learned the games. And for a long time I thought I was kind of like them. I was like, "Oh yeah, that's kind of like me." And then I realized I'm nothing like that at all. I I just wish I was. (laughs) And I realized how I learn shmups and what type of player I am is I'm just basically a stubborn bastard who throws himself at the game over and over and over through trial and error until I learn. I study a little bit here and there, but really I think my strong suit as a player is just pure persistence and stubbornness. And so I wanted to ask you guys, if you were to describe yourself as a player, what strengths you have and weaknesses you have or what things kind of set you apart from how other people approach the genre. I'd be interested to hear what you guys think. I'd say that I'm, I'm a very hopeful player. Getting the high score is never off the table if I enjoy a game enough. I think that might be one of my break, biggest strengths that I'm not discouraged easily. Yeah, I mean, you're like busting out world records. <laughs> Another strength is probably that I'm willing to put in the time necessary to get a, to a place where I want to be. Some people either don't have the time to do that or just don't feel like putting in the time. Yeah. Do you feel like you optimize your playtime 
as far as, okay, you're really learning a lot each time you play. Is that something you're good at? Hmm. I don't know if it's quite optimal, but I basically try to get all the, pa- all the practice I need out of the way early, and then I just do runs for a while so that I can get in as many attempts that have a chance of clearing as I can. But sometimes I have to go back to practice and then back to run. Sometimes I'll get tired of doing runs. So I, I guess I could probably do things uh, a little more optimally than the way I do them right now. But I certainly try to make the most of my time. And so as a player, what do you think is the biggest thing you want to improve on? To be honest, this is a bit of a weird one, but I tend to worry too much about how my performance look. Uh, for example, sometimes I'll restart runs if I make a minor mistake that'll just uh, look unimpressive or if I didn't hit a certain score milestone by a certain point. And I do this because if I, if I get a new PB that run, then upload it to YouTube, it might not look as good as, as if uh, rather than me resetting and trying to get a better one. I know what you mean there. I, I basically just imagine someone who gets into Blue Revolver and he's trying to score it. Then he compares score milestones with me and he's thinking like, wait, he only has this score by now? Or that's really low? Or that he missed that break? That one's so easy. Something like that. It's, it's kind of petty, but it's something I, I actually think about and restart a lot because of, and I should just learn to let that go and just finish yeah. runs regardless. I remember doing that with Dodonpachi when I was playing it for score a while back where chaining stage one and two in the big picture isn't worth that many points but you kind of look like a scrub if you don't yeah so i dropped the chain in stage one barely losing any points by doing that but in my head i'm like okay people are gonna think i'm a total scrub because i dropped the chain in stage one yeah. so i'm gonna reset this run and then i i did that for a while i was like you know i'm losing a lot of unnecessary runs because i'm resetting in like stage one or two for pure vanity so yeah i understand what you're talking about there how about you, Moglar? How would you describe your strengths and weaknesses as a player? Um, I usually like to do mainly runs instead of or credits um, instead of a lot of practice. Although it depends. Sometimes I do a bunch of like individual level uh, grinding to improve my score, but a lot of the time I'm just mainly doing runs with some practice on the side. I think I'm getting better at balancing it, but yeah. I think the full run approach doesn't work too bad for Katsui. I think it depends on the game. Like people like Juju and Prometheus, uh, with how they go about games, that works. Uh, that definitely seems to me like it would work the best with Dodon Pachi games compared to like any other shmups, really. Yeah, because the chaining is so goddamn yeah. strict. Exactly. I've actually had people message me and say, hey, a lot of the people you talk about have this one, you know, very scientific style of approaching these games, but I think you should talk to people who do full runs and stuff. And I was like, that's interesting. I just don't really know anyone who does that. Because if you think about it, well, I interviewed the Japanese super player, Araska, just now, Mm -hmm. who does Katsui. Yeah, he plays on arcade and... I'm assuming does a shitload of full runs because he's on an arcade cabinet. So that must be how a lot of Japanese players play these games is they're just doing full runs. What are some advantages that people wouldn't realize about that approach? Well, with full runs versus um, save state practice or whatever, with save state practice, like you can practice one section over and over and get quite good at it. If you're doing full runs, you're getting practice and everything as long as you're not resetting constantly right so i i feel like for me save state practice and uh save state practice for like specific sections of a stage a lot of the time i'll do individual level practice but that kind of practice is um best for when you're just learning something or if you've been having a lot of trouble with one section recently Mm-hmm. One of those two. 
I'd imagine, and correct me if I'm wrong here, I'd imagine that, especially when you get to a certain skill level, like the first 75% of the game you could probably learn during full runs. But when you come up against the later stages or the final bosses and stuff, is that where you need to switch over to stage practice? Or do you do you still continue with full runs at that point? For Katsui, yeah. I did a lot of practice of Loop 2. Like, I learned routes for everything in Loop 2 before getting really far into it in a run. When learning something, I usually do practice for that, learn it with a safe state. And then after that, I don't practice it too much outside of runs. Like, I learned routes and everything, but after that, I actually got the majority of my practice. Yeah, I'm going to try something similar when I start playing Katsui. More of a mixture than my usual way of doing a lot of safe state practice. Yeah, I think Katsui is more of like a game that's better to uh like in relatively compared to like something like DDP that uh doing for full runs would be more beneficial compared to constant practice. So what do you think is a skill as a player that you want to work on or like improve? Mm-hmm. Not sure, really. For me, one that I definitely need to work on is actually watching replays and studying Mm. a little harder before I start playing. Maybe me too, but... With the second loop, for instance, had I done a little more studying, I probably would have saved myself a lot of hours of trial and error. Yeah, I watched, uh, I think, a couple Katsui replays recently, and I did learn some things from them. I'm not sure if I added any anything from them yet but i definitely saw things that i've never seen before so to close this discussion out do you guys have any particular lessons that immediately come to your mind that we haven't talked about that you want to pass on to new players i would say that don't credit feed if you just want to see the rest of the game once or twice sure that's fine but I wouldn't say that you should aim for 5 cc's, 4 cc's, stuff like that. Um, You should aim for the 1 cc. And if you keep game overing early, then that just means that you need more practice on the parts that are giving you trouble. That's really good advice. Yeah. Also, don't credit feed for uh, practice. If you do that, then you're only encountering every section of the game once, and then it's over, and then you have to start again from stage 1. True, yeah. And I imagine, too, for a newer player that it's it's a bit of a crutch because you're not tackling some of the more fundamental lessons you need to be learning. For instance, I feel like there are certain shmups that are kind of designed to teach you lessons, like the stage three boss of Dodonpachi is pretty big hurdle for a new player, but it teaches you a lot of valuable lessons about the about the genres, how to stream stuff, how to tap dodge. A really good learning lesson, but if you just credit feed through that boss every time, you're not going to really get those lessons anyway. And you're not really forced to uh, learn when you're credit feeding. You just kind of do what you do every time, but then hope you do a little bit better. Right. Consistency. Exactly. Yeah. How about you, Moglar? Any final lessons that stand out to you that you want to pass on? I don't know. If you want to improve... uh... The main thing is just to play a lot. You also should try to optimize your playtime if you can. That's definitely a big thing. Like learning things at least at first through practice is definitely very big and will save you a lot of time. Yeah, for sure. And I think a lot of players don't understand some of the tools they have available to them, like stage select or checkpoint systems or save states, because I feel like those things aren't communicated well to players, especially with certain ports and stuff like that. Like, hey, this port on the Switch is literally just the arcade ROM. And so there you go, play the arcade ROM. And so these players just play up to stage three, get murked, and they're like, okay, this genre is really hard. And that's about it. They don't understand that there's ways to improve and how to go about doing that exactly. Well, I think it was awesome for you guys coming on. Uh, I decided to save the little bit about Stunfest at the end, just so Kiwi's experience isn't like at the start of the episode. Yeah. So do you mind talking a little bit about Stunfest, Kiwi, before we go? Uh, Yeah, sure. It was actually my first time out of the country. So that was an adventure. 
You had to get your passport and all that stuff? Yep. And everything was actually really simple. To uh, All the traveling was really simple, getting from point A to point B once I got to France, because uh, Yam was just such a huge help. The actual venue was really nice. It was really big. The, smup, the shmup section wasn't too huge. It was in a corner, but there was a fair amount of stuff to do there. And um, the runs were great. It was it was so cool being in the bleachers there, seeing everything on a such a big screen. And those Futari runs were really stressful live. That was uh, quite the experience. What was the vibe in the room like? Because it looks like from the stream that the audience was fairly large, but it's hard to say. So give us the rundown on like the audience size and what the kind of vibe was. Yeah, it actually was fairly large, which I was surprised about. People got pretty excited when he would do some crazy dodges, which was really cool to see. It was like a fighting game crowd being excited at a really cool combo or reversal. Yeah. So that was that was pretty cool to see excitement from people who probably didn't play the genre. And um, I think that there was a bigger turnout for Futari than uh, Toho 13. I don't know about my runs because... I wasn't really paying attention to that. <laughs> Watching the crowd between between bullets. It's like, wait, who's out there? <laughs> My runs were went pretty well too. The well the first one did. First one was amazing. First one was ridiculous. Thank you. <laughs> My execution was pretty good on that run. I was pretty proud of that one. The second run was not as good. It well okay, so it was good, but that game over was so unfortunate. Yeah. Because if I actually finished, that would have been 189 million. Because you were going for riskier stuff that second run, weren't you? Yeah, I was. Where I just did you got. Game over? Um, I game over it at the TLB. Oh, yeah, right so, at the end there. Yeah. And the sad thing is, the TLB gives about 30 million points. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> I did everything else pretty well, though. How close would it have been to your record at that time? If you'd gotten that clear, um, about 189 million, maybe 188, because I would have been more stressful. Maybe wouldn't have got as good of bullet clears. And uh, my record is 191. So it would have been right there, essentially. Yeah, and there is a pretty big difference between 189 and 191. Oh, fairly big difference. So it's not like that almost was it. But that's still like a really good run. Mm -hmm. I was watching you play live. You looked like a T2 Terminator. You looked like so focused (laughs) and it was really impressive. Like it didn't look like you were nervous at all. It looked like you were a machine. Did you feel that way or you just have a good killer face? Uh, (laughs) A killer face. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's my that's my murdering face. (laughs) I honestly, I was expecting to be really stressed out. I was really stressed out when I was to behind the stage waiting to go on. But once I got got up there and then cleared stage one without any mistakes, then I actually got, I actually started to enjoy it. I was actually having a lot of fun up there. So um, after that, I wasn't really stressed until the uh, the very end, just because of the TLB and everything. Yeah. So yeah, both. Both runs, I was pretty happy, not really freaking out, anything like that. It's actually something I really want to do again, because I really enjoyed the the experience. Yeah, I, I think it went really well. My question is, so I've had certain fighting game tournaments where, okay, I'm not like a legit player or anything, but in my scene, I'm the, the best player I was when the game was still played. And there were some tournaments where people were coming out of state, and I kind of had to like defend the ter- our territory. And I legitimately, the night before, you know, everyone has all these expectations. It's a stupid video game. The night before, I was like freaking out. Oh, I was so nervous. I was like, why am I so goddamn stressed over a freaking video game? Did you have anything like that before your runs? Or were you just kind of not too worried about it? Basically, my my uh, mentality is just fake it till you make it. I would just be act super confident and all. I wouldn't really let on that I was nervous. I would just kind of not think about it until the day of. And then, well, of course I was practicing. I'm not saying that I wasn't trying, but... You're just too swag. 
yeah, the day of, I just kind of trusted in my, in my training and, um, did some practice runs. They all turned out pretty well. Basically just suppress the, the nervousness, just the biggest time when it came out was, uh, like I said, when I was waiting behind the stage to go on, once I got up there, I was most stressed at uh, stage one. Then after that, I was fine because like, <laughs> if I die on stage one, that just looks really dumb. Yeah. And I've had moments where there's parts of your run that you feel like, if I just get through this part, you feel good. You're like, okay, I can do this. I can do this. For you, it was stage one, it sounds like. Yes, yeah, stage one and... Uh, stage three, because there are a couple things on stage three that are the stage three boss is pretty risky. Yeah, because I haven't done a really like legit live demonstration like you have, but I have done just streams and stuff. And there's been times where fair number of viewers on my stream and all of a sudden I feel like, oh, shit, I better play well, because <laughs> this is the only time they're going to watch me stream probably. So I better not screw this up. And there's been some runs where after I get past a certain point, I'm like feeling myself then it becomes fun. So I can kind of agree with that. Yeah. So outside your demonstrations, what are some other fun aspects of the event, especially since you were a player there that we should know about? <laughs> <laughs> there were a lot of indie games there. It was fun to walk around and try those things out. They had the kill a kill fighting game demo set up. Uh, I, played, I played a lot of Tetris there. <laughs> they had a Tetris for the Neo Geo set up. It's not released yet, but someone's making that. So That's there was cool. a lot of stuff that was fun to do with to do with people like Twinkle Star Sprites that too. Apparently there was also a Nex Machina, something like that. There was a Nex Machina speed run or maybe score run. I don't remember. And it was supposed to be done with like a, a band playing with it. Cool. So it was supposed to be like super play and a concert at the same time. I didn't really figure out when they were supposed to do that, so I never ended up seeing it, but that was pretty cool. I saw some of the next Machina run without the concert, though. Nice. <laughs> yeah, just the seeing all the tournaments and stuff like that, that was a lot of fun. Oh, yeah, they had tons of speedruns there. Like uh, Super Mario 64, they had a Final Fantasy speedrun that went like six or eight hours, something like that. Yeah, that's there crazy. There was just uh, a whole lot of stuff there. Like the shmup experience going out there and meeting all the European players and stuff. Was there any uh, people that you were familiar with online besides Plasma and stuff like that you were really looking forward to seeing? I didn't realize that M Knight was going to be there, but I did meet M Knight, so that was fun. He's really nice. He's just as um, enthusiastic in real life as online. <laughs> nice. So I met M Knight, Yam, Plasmo. Danbo, that was fun. Oh, I bet. He is the funniest guy. He's just, oh man. Yeah, I even <laughs> talked about that just even from a viewer experience when he was doing the commentary with Plasma on your runs. He was really funny. I think that's some of the best yeah. I've ever heard. I talked about it quite a bit in the Stunfest app that I did because I, I was really impressed with his sense of humor and stuff. When, when all of us went out to eat, I forgot the name of the restaurant. I don't know, it's not important. When we all went out to eat, he was there with one of his friends. And it was like watching a sitcom. They were just constantly saying hilarious stuff back and forth. My brother and I, we didn't need to find any other kind of entertainment or talk to anyone. 
we just kind of watched them do their thing the whole time. And they, they were just always doing hilarious stuff. They're like typical uh, Scottish people too, like with the, the accent, like the way they act. It's, it's all hilarious. I bet. He was really funny on the mic and he'd have some, yeah, funny moments on stream and stuff. He was really nice too. I bet you got to play some double action and stuff because I heard he brought it. Oh, yeah. yeah. I did get, to, oh, I still haven't uploaded a video of the changed patterns on the final boss. I should do that. I took a video. Yeah, double action seems really good. The shot types seem a lot more balanced. So you can probably use whichever one you like now instead of a variable being the, the king. Uh-huh. So that's really nice. And uh, a lot of new scoring changes, like a pattern bonus being doubled and stuff. If you no miss, no bomb, no special, stuff like that. Lots of really fun changes. From what I heard, it sounds like double action is pretty much like a new game. And that's what I've heard. Like the stages are new. The layouts are new. Is that right? Is it just like a whole new experience there or, or is it still the same stages with different layouts and stuff? Okay, so the Stunfest double action doesn't have like all the new patterns and stage layouts and stuff. Uh, most of the boss attacks are going to be completely different um, in the final version of double action. I believe the stages are getting changed around too. But the demo I played was more like showing off the balance changes, the final boss changes, the new mechanics, stuff like that. Yeah. So I didn't get to see like all the new stuff that was in double action. Sounds like he's still working on it. Yeah. The new final boss phases were there at least. So what was the biggest surprise for you at Stunfest or something that something that was really awesome that you hadn't expected? I really, really enjoyed just being around people in real life that liked shmups. I mean, I, I've never really met anyone in real life that played shmups. It's kind of something that I didn't realize I would enjoy so much, but just knowing that there are people around me that actually like this genre that's so niche, it was just so cool. Yeah, that's true. I've I never mean, met I, anyone. Yeah, it's super weird. It's almost like we speak some kind of hidden language or something, and then to actually meet other people who are into the genre is like, hmm. One of my kind. Yeah, exactly. Because it is such a niche genre. So in my Stunfest app, I want to hear your guys' thoughts, uh, both of your guys' thoughts on this idea. We talked about uh, Maribel's run and how he was kind of feeling dissatisfied with the second one that didn't end up clearing. And I really felt for him because there had been times in tournaments where I lost to someone. Oh. And it was someone I didn't want to lose to. And I was so salty. I went home like pissed i couldn't stand it but there was a chance for redemption next month but i imagined you know the way stunfest works once a year people don't repeat their runs and stuff i imagined what if i'd lost that tournament to that guy i did beat him by the way i lost the tournament to the guy <laughs> and there was no but who's keeping count but there was no run back that was it and i just had to take it and never and that was it yeah. oh man that would burn me for years so i thought hey, we should do something in Shmup Slam like called Redemption Runs for Stunfest where if you're not satisfied with your Stunfest run, you can like retry it at Shmup Slam. What do you think of that idea? Yeah, that's a great idea. Because like you were saying, it's once a year, you're not guaranteed to go back again ever. So it's it, there's not really any kind of closure you can get if you do mess up. Exactly. So that's that's what I was thinking is if you wanted and Maribel have you guys retry those runs. Well, you got your run, though. But if you wanted to do like the really swaggy, all the points run, <laughs> all the points, all the points, you could retry it at Shmup Slam. All right. I'll think about that. Or you could play a different game because, I mean, you did such a good job with your demonstrations that I felt like you could walk away feeling like you definitely accomplished your goal. I don't know if you felt that way, but I would have felt that way. Yeah, yeah, for the most part. I just kind of tried to suppress um, any feelings that I didn't do as well as I could have because 
the the first one was was really good. I'm really happy with that one. So, and uh, besides, the second run got to the TLB, so it it was pretty much close enough to clearing. Yeah, so I'm not too dissatisfied. Dying on the TLB, you know what I mean? Like, that's the part yeah, where ex- people expect you to die anyway. So it's not the same thing as dying mid run or something like that. I feel for Mario. I, I hope he doesn't feel too bad about that. Uh, that second run. Yeah, and I talked about this too on the Stunfest ep, but a lot of people didn't listen to that, so I feel fine repeating it here. Is <laughs> that I feel like with shmups, it's not like other demonstrations like speedrunning, where I mean, there are some speedruns where it is really risky and stuff. Like there's some super metroid ones like that, but for the most part, if you make a mistake. Even in Super Metroid, like, let's say you miss a wall jump. Samus doesn't explode and die for missing a wall jump. (laughs) But in a shmup, if you literally miss time, just like one little movement, you're dead. That's it. And so it's such a brutal demonstration. It's like the most brutal form of demonstration ever. So I feel like, because I'm going to do a demonstration at Shmup Slam, and I'm I'm not even going to worry too much about it, because I'm sure I'll punk out and die. (laughs) Like the coliseum or something where not everyone's gonna walk out alive it's the stakes are too high yeah i see what you mean the margin of error is so low in these games that not everyone's gonna walk out alive i remember there was one gdq run with uh i don't i don't remember his name at the moment but uh, oh bouncy boy that's it bouncy boy was doing a gdq run of super mario uh sunshine and it was bianco 4 the secret stage he completely finished the stage and then right at the star he jumped right over it and died and had to redo the whole thing and it lost like several minutes and it was it was the most sad thing ever but even (laughs) then it's just a higher time yeah it's not like that that's it go home yeah with shmups it's like okay you can hit continue But shmups do a very good job of shaming you (laughs) when you die. It's like, (laughs) game over. And it like stops it, resets your score, resets the rank. Why don't you try hard? Yeah, shmups let you know that you messed up. It's very clear to everyone. Yeah, he's dead. He dead. He did not Mm -hmm. make it. Whereas sometimes, like sometimes when I'm showing my friends Super Metroid speedruns, I'll totally miss a short charge and like fumble around and look like an idiot for a a few seconds. They hardly ever notice. It's like, oh, they didn't know I was supposed to short charge there. They didn't know I missed the shine spark. They didn't know any of that. But in shmups, I miss something like that. The ship explodes, game over, go home. Oh, that's it. So, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) it's just the stakes are a lot higher, I guess, is what I'm getting at. Mm -hmm. They'll just expect it's a game where you're supposed to suicide. Don't worry. Don't worry. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure someone who's never seen a shmup before would think that. So, Moglar, what do you think about, because you did the Shmup Slam video, what do you think about doing a live demonstration? What are your thoughts about that? Uh, well, yeah, it's mainly just because of how wrong it could go. It's kind of scary. Yeah. So like, what are the Omote uh, requirements? The Omote requirements are six or less bombs and deaths combined. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, the bombs is where it gets you. If I just had to do one run on a live event, I I could still fuck that up. Yeah, I was considering doing one for the first Shmup Slam, but I decided not to because I had to wake up at like eight in the morning and then sit down for twelve hours, and I was like, I don't have the power to pull off a run in the middle of this. But this next one, I'm gonna do one and probably mess up big time for you guys. So. You guys can, I can be the icebreaker for everyone. It's like, okay, this is what, when it goes wrong, this is what it looks like. So <laughs> I could like, uh, omote to all consistently, or at least get to like two, five consistently. I'd probably consider. Yeah. There's the one CC marathon coming up soon again, I think, but, uh, I don't think I'm going to. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be interesting to see. Also because. Of the silly rule where you'd actually never be able to try again because they don't redo games. Right. Yeah, that's really weird. Be locked out forever. 
So uh, maybe 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 next year if they're still doing that next year. I don't know. So I tried to format it to where, because I was thinking about this for the first Shmup Slam, and it's actually really funny. Everyone who did live demonstrations for the first one are just freaking beasts and murdered the games pretty much. So yeah, <laughs> it didn't become an issue. I was thinking like we're both really good players. Yeah, I was thinking about myself in that situation essentially where i am prone to nerves from time to time so i was thinking okay what is a good balance to where maybe you can get your nerves out but you're not totally holding up the stream so i thought a good one would be if you if you make a mistake somewhat early on like you can mulligan it back you can like run it back real quick but if you get too late into it you're just gonna have to play it out just because of time constraints for instance, if Kiwi died in stage one, he could reset and try again. Yeah. What do you think about that? Do you think that's like a good compromise to where it's not taking the hype out of it, but it's also not like making it completely brutal and cutthroat? Yeah, I would say maybe like one or two stage two, uh, stage one resets. Maybe depending on the game, one stage two reset, something like that. Yeah. Because yeah. I feel like a lot of it would be just to get your nerves out. of. Well, anyway... Thanks for coming on, you guys. It's been an awesome episode. Yeah, thanks for having me. Any final thoughts before we head out? Um, shooting game never die. Awesome. Moglar, any final thoughts? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. Well, thanks for coming on, you guys. All right, see you later. See ya. See ya. Don't quit. Don't go dying on me.